We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon, Chris, and Rob. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris, and I am here with our co-host, Brother Rob. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well, brother. It's good to be back with you. Yeah, it's great to be back. Great to record another episode with you. Unfortunately, Brandon thought that vacation was more important than us, so Brandon will not be with us tonight. But we certainly do hope that he's having a relaxing time, and we look forward to recording another episode with him here soon. But we're going to go ahead and continue on in the book of Revelation, and we're in Revelation chapter 3 now looking at what some would call the dead church. And this is the church in Sardis. And so I'll go ahead and I'll just read verse one and we'll talk about it and go from there, brother Rob, if that's okay with you. That'd be great, brother. All right. So it says this in verse one of Revelation chapter three, and to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. And those are some pretty powerful words. I don't know about you, Brother Rob, but if Jesus walked up to my church right now and said that, that would be devastating to hear. Um, Absolutely. Because, because I think that the church in Sardis uh, really thought probably that they were doing some good things. Um, Absolutely. And I, I think a lot of churches do. But sometimes we, in our lives, we we start out doing what we think is good, but when it doesn't conform to the will of God, we hear that we're not really doing it for God, we're doing it for ourselves. You're not a church that's alive, but you are a church that is dead. But Sardis, uh, Sardis was one of the most ancient cities in Asia Minor, and it was about 30 miles southeast of the last church that we talked about, uh, Thyatira. And Sardis was uh, a big place of, of uh, false idol worship. They had mm-hmm. this huge temple dedicated to Artemis or Diana, uh, the Greek goddess of the hunt. And it was 327 feet long. It was 163 feet wide and it was 58 feet high. And it had 78 huge columns. Uh, and it was a city that was known for mining silver and gold. Uh, and it was known also for taking that silver and gold and creating a lot of false idols for people to worship. And they actually, they lost a lot of money for a a time because of Christianity. As people put their faith in Christ, they stopped buying those idols. Uh, And that wasn't very good for for business in in Sardis. And so there was a lot of of tension there and a lot of of push uh, when we go into it uh, for people to kind of conform even there like hey you need to start buying these these idols again we were making so much money uh, on this but but that's interesting what Jesus starts out with right here as he as he has this letter sent to the church in Sardis I know your works that you have a name that you are alive but you are dead brother Rob what do you take from that yeah, absolutely. So there's there's a few things that I'll point out. Um, 
first of all, we we see again the author of this. This isn't isn't John speaking to the church. This is mm-hmm. the one who holds the seven, uh, who has the seven spirits, and of course that. Uh, translation of seven spirits is is less about seven different spirits, but a, a sevenfold or the perf- the perfect spirit, the spirit of God. And so, the one who has the spirit of God, the one who holds the seven stars, the one who holds the candlesticks, the the churches, it it is Jesus that's writing this. And and so, like you said, if if Jesus says these things about you. Um, you know it has to be true because there's no lie in him. There's no falsehood. There, there's no uh, even temptation for uh, for that. And so what right. Jesus is saying, we need to really pay attention to. And then what, what I think of is I go back and I, I think of um, Matthew chapter 7. And in, in Matthew chapter 7, this is what Jesus says, start, starting in verse uh, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will right. say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Um, uh, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Um, and mm-hmm. so what I, I I see that's going on in, in Sardis is they've got a reputation uh, because when people look at them, they, they see um, some type of fruit, but not all fruit is, is the same. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever had it, but I was in Arkansas at the time and I had a, I'd gone to Walmart and bought some of the, the bags of like the apples with mm-hmm. the, um, grapes in it and uh, I opened one up and and I bit into the apple and it was real soft and I I felt something on my tongue and I pull it out and it's a worm (laughs) needless to say I I threw every one of those packages away and and (laughs) just about got sick but anyways not all fruit is the same all right Right. and and so there, there are fruits uh, of of Satan, there there are fruits of the enemy as as well, and so we need to make sure that our fruits are from the Holy Spirit. and And I believe one of the issues here um, is that when we start trusting in our own fruit, we start to believe that uh, that that we are the own producers. And, and right. if if we have godly fruit, um, the producer is is God. Um, mm-hmm. we're just the vine that, it, that it hangs on. Right. And so, um, and, and so what we have to under, understand and what I think was going on in Sardis was that they were dead in the sense that, um, a lot of them had never truly trusted Jesus and his finished work. They were right. a lot of times going and trusting their own works, uh, in, in, and we've talked about this many times before, and we'll talk about it again. But if we're trusting in our own work, um, even alongside Jesus's work, we're in danger uh, mm-hmm. of of being called exactly what Jesus is calling Sardis here. We're in danger of being called dead and, and yeah. hearing the words, depart from me, 
you worker of iniquity, right? Because we, um, the, the will of the father is not the, the 613 laws. The, the will of the father is to call upon the name of the Lord, to trust in the Lord Jesus, and then to live by the spirit. Um, and so just because you do good things and you give to the poor and, um, you do, you know, all these awesome, awesome things and people think well of you, that doesn't mean that you're alive in Christ. What mean, what proves that you're alive in Christ is that you have the spirit of God. Um, and so one other thing that I'll, I'll mention, like you said, they had a lot of silver and gold. And I think this is important for us, especially in America. Mm-hmm. Um, they were very wealthy um, in Sardis. And, and that wealth made it to where they didn't have to rely mm-hmm. on the Holy Spirit as much as other churches did. And, yeah. and is is you know, as much as we hate to admit it, in America, we don't have to rely on the Holy Spirit as much as many do around the world today because right. we know where our meal, our next meal is coming from. We know yeah. that tomorrow when we get done with our air-conditioned jobs that we're going to be able to come, or in this season, heated jobs, and <laughs> yeah. we're going to get to come home and, and have... A, a good heat source for right. us and our families and food on our tables. Um, and so wealth isn't a bad thing. And, and God uses people with, with wealth to do great things for the kingdom. But having wealth is always a danger in the fact that we can start trusting in ourselves and, and not having right. to rely on the spirit. And and that mm-hmm. is a, a fruit often of, of dead faith. Yeah. And and I've, I've seen it too, in a lot of churches before, and and this is where we usually come to is we look at the individual, we look at the local body and we look at the global body uh, of the church, but I've seen individuals in churches that give a lot of money. They're, they're very wealthy. And, and when something doesn't go their way, I've seen people actually threaten to withhold tithes and, And I think that's just outrageous in in that understanding. Yeah. But I, I like what you were saying there about uh, our works. They they were really relying on their works. It, they had this name for themselves. They it, and a lot of mm-hmm. people look at this and look at the historical understanding of this church and say, well, they had some wealth. It seemed like everything was going good, just like we see in a lot of churches uh, in the United States as well. I know that there's a lot of churches that aren't doing well, but you'll look at some churches. It seems like everything's going good for them, but they're not always following the will of God. And I'm, I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 64 verse six, where it says, but we are all like unclean things and all our Mm -hmm. righteousnesses or works are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us. And so when we rely on our strength, our abilities and do what we want to do, it doesn't matter how much you give because at the end of the day, you'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and you'll hear those words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you because your works simply aren't good enough to gain salvation. Mm -hmm. It's only through the finished work of Jesus Christ and being sealed by the Holy Spirit uh, are, are you, 
sealed for salvation and eternal life in Christ through faith, through the grace of God. And, and so let's look at this first as an individual uh, thinking about this. And and you, I think you're completely right. I think we kind of hit on the individual a little bit, but we, we're kind of comfortable in mm-hmm. the United States. And the majority of our listeners, of course, are from the United States. We do have some overseas listeners as well. But yeah. overall, I I know that I'm going to have a I just had a great meal before I, I came in and, <laughs> and yeah, we're doing absolutely. this podcast. And it, it's easy to get comfortable and mm-hmm. not have to rely on the spirit. And I'm reminded a little bit about the model prayer that that Jesus gives us in Matthew, yeah. uh, you know, uh when we're, I think we call it the Lord's prayer, but you know, he, he called it the model prayer, but in that prayer, he says, uh, give us this day, our daily bread. And Mm -hmm. when he says that a a big understanding there in that prayer is that when we're praying and when we're seeking out God's will, Hey, just give us what we need to make it through the day. So that way we can rely on you today and tomorrow when we get up, we can pray the same thing. Give us this day our daily bread. And that's not just talking about food. That's just talking about needs in mm-hmm. general right there. But as, as an individual, it's very important not to get comfortable in our wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. wealth is different for a lot of people. I don't have a whole lot of money, but I do have a meal. Mm-hmm. three times a day. I have some snacks often as well. Yep. Uh, probably need to lay off of the snacks <laughs> a little bit, but uh, I have a roof over my head. I have heat. I have air condition. Hey, I even have a backup generator uh, yeah. at my house, so I'm never going to run out of electricity. Mm. Um, so there's some comfort there and it's, it's sometimes it's easy uh, to sit back in the comfort of the fact that I feel very secure that my physical self is going to continue on just, just all right. But I have to recall uh, that this is all a gift of God and I need to give glory to God. So as an individual, what, what would the individual need to look at here? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I completely agree. We, we need to, um, we need to examine ourselves and in, in our lives. Um, one thing that, you know, we don't focus on as, as much. I, I don't think that we ought to do is, is examine what we believe and why we believe it. Um, mm-hmm. because, um, and, and I, I, I try to tread lightly here because I know that there are going to be different levels of intelligence as, as different people hear the gospel and they understand it. I, I believe we come to Jesus with childlike faith and that, mm-hmm. um, that if we trust in him, um, that, that we will be saved. If you call upon the name of the Lord, it's not, you might be saved, but you will be saved. Uh, but the understanding in, in all of that is, is that you individually trust Jesus's finished work. And, and so if you're trusting, um, you know, the fact that you don't have tattoos and you don't say cuss words and that you give money in the offering plus, um, plus Jesus and his blood, then, then that's a problem. And and we need Mm -hmm. to rethink and and reconsider what we believe and, and why we believe it. Now, um, 
you know, putting money in the, the plate at church and, you know, not saying cuss words and taming your tongue. All of these things are, uh, are great. Um, right. and, and the Holy Spirit will actually help us with those things. Um, I've, I've experienced it myself, but, um, but those are, are, are fruits, um, of the Holy Spirit working in our life and, and not, um, what is saving us. And so we, we need to, to have the right belief as individuals and, and fully trust in, in Jesus, um, and, and not our own reputa- reputation, uh, because, yeah. um, our reputation means nothing because even the best of us in comparison to Jesus, as you just read, is, is like filthy rags. Yeah. Well, and now on to the local body. Uh, when, when we think about the local body, I think about these rural churches that don't have a whole lot of people, but you know, they're faithful. They, they show up, they, they continue, they strive a lot of times, not, not everywhere. There's always exceptions to yeah. this, trust me. And, and sometimes there's always someone in, in even the smallest congregation that causes a fuss here and there. So let's, you know, get off of the minors and, and focus at the major here. Uh, but you see, you see that the majority of, of churches, especially in our areas are small rural churches and man, some of those people, they just show up. The church doesn't have much. They don't, most of them don't have a, a basketball court or even a fellowship hall. Some of them are just sanctuaries um, that aren't much bigger than most people's houses overall. And, and uh, you know, you see a lot of faithfulness in some of those churches. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, we can go and look at some of the churches that do have it all. And I know some really great churches that do have basketball courts and and family yeah. worship centers and things like that. But I'm also reminded of some churches that do have it all that literally, you know, just overlook scripture completely. They yeah. don't apply scripture to their lives anymore. And, and uh, I'll say this, uh, you know, I love Charles Stanley, but uh, I've not been a huge fan <laughs> of his son lately, yeah. Andy Stanley. And and mm-hmm. I've read Andy Stanley's books. I, I've liked a lot of things that Andy Stanley has said throughout the years, but mm-hmm. lately is, is his, uh, campuses. He, he preaches in it, not just at one church, but you know, like there are campuses dedicated to, uh, listening to his messages and things like that. But as time went on, they have everything. They've got the money, they've got the resources, but as time has gone on, that church that he's leading has decided to trade uh, scripture for culture uh, and, mm-hmm. and the sense. And, and there, I'm not going to go into all of the details. I encourage you to look it up. But uh, in, in yeah. some of the leadership that he places within his churches and some of the things that he's been preaching lately, uh, don't go with the, the scripture at all. And, and I've yeah. taken the time to listen to this. This isn't me reading some article and saying, oh, no, Andy Stanley did this. But overall, you yeah. see a huge church. And I believe at the very beginning, Andy Stanley was a, a powerful preacher. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I say I enjoyed a lot of things that he said. But as time went on, it seems like the church started to focus just on they already had it all. They don't have to worry about anything and then decided to trade uh, scripture for culture to embrace yeah. culture and, and 
we should never do that. And that's why I do like these small rural churches all over the place because they have nothing but the scripture to hold on to. And a lot of times they're, they're bigger on standing strong in the scripture than these huge churches that have it all. And again, big churches aren't bad, but it is important that if you are a church with many resources that you take care to always make the word of God the most important thing. So there's my take on the local church. What, what do you think about the local side of this? Absolutely. I, I'll just go alongside that and not just um, the way they handle the word, which that has to come first, um, but then how they live the word. Um, and right. so one thing that I, I think of, um, I have a, a, a few people that, um, I'm really close to that, that go to larger churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason they go to larger churches, um, is because they can go in, sit down, put some money in the, the plate, leave. Yeah. There's no responsibility there. There's no accountability. There's, right. um, there's no, uh, you know, no sacrifice there's no um giving up on you know things or or time or um you know even even going and and giving beyond um you know what what is expected those kind of things um and so um in the end so so that's a that's that's being dead and and i I hate to say that because I, Mm -hmm. i don't want to discourage people but if you're going somewhere for the sole purpose of not having to be held accountable not holding other people accountable and and not truly being a disciple but but going to check a box because you want to say that you've been at church and you've done the right things then then you're going for all the wrong reasons and um you'll get the blessing um that you desire out of it but but that's not the blessing of, of a good reputation is nothing compared to the blessing of the presence of God. Um, yeah. and, and, and so, uh, I, I would say and that, that reputation falters and, and, and falls with this world and, and with your right. last breath, it doesn't carry on to eternal life, you know? Uh, so it's, Jesus isn't going to sit there and say, Hey, did a lot of people like you? Uh, yeah. when, when you stand before his throne, he's going to say, are you a good and faithful servant? So. Yeah, absolutely, and that and that sounds like it's to the individual, and it kind of is. But I, I think it applies to the these big churches too, because they make it easy for people to do that. They right. almost make it attractive, right, for people that to come can and walk do that. in, and you don't yeah. have to get involved. And, and I like uh, I went to a really big church uh, with a friend uh, in, in Florida one time. And I really liked the way that the church was set up because they really did push for service. They made small groups. Like it was so big that pretty much these small groups were, you know, almost individual local churches themselves within a bigger body. (laughs) And, And I really liked it. Uh, but then I've been, I've also been to some large churches that, you know, the whole theme was, we don't care what your name is, you know, just come in, sit down, uh, we don't need your information. We don't want to reach out to you. We don't, don't want to get you involved. We are, we're already doing it. So y'all just sit yeah. back and, and relax. And our rest, uh, 
doesn't come in this world. It, it's mm-hmm. after That's right. That's this right. world. So uh, now I would say on the global side, uh, and let's let's more talk to the national side because we see yeah. two things within the global. We see a church that is living and thriving, uh, mm-hmm. and we see. Uh, a church that is not. And I think the church that is not living and thriving on the global scale, look at the national side is, is the church of the United States. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean to sound, you know, judgmental or anything, but here's the thing. 75% mm-hmm. of our nation says I'm a Christian. 75% mm-hmm. of our mm-hmm. country, which that's a big drop actually in the past 20 years, yeah. uh, that's a 10% drop. They say we're professing believers, followers of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If that were so, our country would not be in the political and spiritual mess that it's in today. Mm-hmm. If yeah. there were actual, if 75% of professing believers were true believers, and I agree with That's what good. Billy Graham once said, that 85% of believers, people that profess to be believers, aren't. Uh, I, I think that's a big thing because they have a name that that seems like they're alive. They have it all together. It seems like everything's going good for them, but by their works, you see that there's not much life there at all, if mm-hmm. any. Uh, and, and so, I, I truly believe that if forty percent <laughs> of the United States were born again believers that we wouldn't see the spiritual mess that our country is in today. We wouldn't see the big debates over abortion and uh, traditional marriage and things Mm -hmm. of that nature if people were truly believers. And so I think that speaks uh, loads to just the national uh, church in the United States. But then we see some great things. Like in, in the United States, the fastest growing religion right now is Islam mm-hmm. and outside of the United States where there are many Islamic nations. In fact, in those Islamic nations are where Christianity is growing faster. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's the places where people have to rely on God day by day, rely on God to keep them safe, rely on God to keep their families from being killed in the streets, their businesses from yeah. being burned down or, or their privileges stripped away from them, uh, or their families uh, separated. Uh, those people that have to rely on God for so much more than we do, that's where Christianity is growing. And, and yeah. so we're, we're actually seeing this this uh, trend. And, and the numbers right now say that Christianity uh, or, or Islam will, will uh, be the world's major religion by 2050 to 2060, uh, somewhere mm-hmm. in there at, at the current rate. But we see some great trends going on, not in the United States, but right. in places like the Middle East and mm-hmm. where, where there's a larger population of mostly Islamic people. And, and that's just crazy to think about mm-hmm. because when you, when you look at it that way, I see a living church, uh, mm-hmm. When, when you look at other nations, but when I look at my own nation, that I, yeah. my, my greatest prayer is that my brethren, uh, my countrymen would repent and, and believe in the gospel and put their faith in Jesus and follow him. 
it's sad to see that. Now, again, I know many individuals that are wonderful born-again believers. I know many churches that are doing great and wonderful things for the kingdom of God in the United States. But I do believe this. When I look at the evidence shown to me of the church of the United States, I believe that Jesus could be writing this letter to the whole of the United States right now. Absolutely. You have a name that you are alive. You're a Christian nation. That's, you know, that's what we're known as, but you're dead. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll just continue on from there. When I, when I think of um, the global impact of things like this, I, I think about um, just for example, the Israelites, um, just out of Egypt, um, mm-hmm. they, they see the presence of God. Um, they hear the presence of God from the bottom of the mountain where, mm-hmm. where Moses is up there. Um, they have just been saved from, um, over 200 years of, um, of slavery in, in Egypt. Um, they have been, um, you know, saved not only not only saved from Egypt, but as we 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 know and everybody knows, they were saved through God parting the Red Sea and and walking on dry land, and then mm-hmm. God destroying the enemy in the sea, and, mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful picture of what Christ is is going to, to do in the force, you know, foreshadowing there and, and how, right. how he is going to eventually, um, throw the, the Satan, the false prophet and the beast into the, uh, the bottomless pit, the, you know, and, and that's awesome. And we get to, to look forward to, to the day where, uh, we will no longer be, um, have to have to deal with his influence. Um, but, um, what were they, what were the Israelites doing at the bottom of the mountain? Even, even though they see God and they hear God, and even though they've been blessed beyond measure and God has provided in, in amazing and miraculous ways, they, they just saw the, the 10 plagues of miraculous signs of who God is. And, and each one of the plagues goes directly against one of the gods of Egypt. Um, mm-hmm. The, the last one, of course, being Pharaoh himself as, as his son dies, um, proving that, that God is even God over the little G God Pharaoh. Um, but but nonetheless, they, they've seen all these things. But what are they doing at the, the bottom of the mountain? Worshipping false idol. <laughs> They're worshipping yeah. false idols. And uh, it, it just over and over throughout history and even in my own life, once we we receive the blessings of of following God and, and listening to him and, and following his commands and doing what's right and we're we're blessed and we have a good season, what do we tend to do? We tend to, to turn everywhere but to to God. Mm-hmm. And, and when that happens, um we get complacent and, and when mm-hmm. we get complacent then then we start to um to say you know what you know i deserve this and that's the worst 
mentality we can have because we don't deserve any of it. Now, in Christ, we do, but it's not because of us. It's, it's because of him, because of yes. what he's done for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so when we um, when we think that we deserve it and that we've earned it, um, then we're on our way down a, a slippery slope that, that is hard to get off of. Um, and, and it's leading straight, straight to hell. And, and I'm afraid right. that's where we have come to in, in America is we've come to a place of complacency that trust, you know, trust our good deeds, trust what we've done, who we've been, the way we've been blessed. And, and because now, you know, now we don't really need God to do a whole lot here. We've got medicine, so we don't need him to heal the sick. We've, um, you know, we've got nice houses, so we don't need him to provide shelter. We've got food on the table. We don't need him to provide that every day. Um, when, of course, we do need him every day because he's right. the one that has allowed us to have the job, that uh, the health to have the job that in order to have the money in the bank account. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I think globally uh, like you said more specifically in, in our nation uh, but it's a it ought to be a warning side to those nations that are getting things right now yeah because in the future this complacency satan's going to put it at their door too yeah um and it's just this repeated cycle and you can see it in church right. history why did why did martin luther had to why, why did he have to, to nail those 95 theses on the door? Um, uh, you know, yeah, he had yeah. to do it because the church had been complacent and they right. had started worshiping the popes and, and, and men and, and bowing down to idols instead right. of doing what God had commanded them to do. Um, yeah. and so we find ourselves here over and over and over again. Um, and the cycle the cycle needs to stop. And the only way to do that is, is to understand that we are reliant on Jesus for everything mm-hmm. all of the time. Um, right. Otherwise we are dead. Right. Yeah. And to end on a message of hope here, how we do that is it, is it starts with the individual. So right. I, I know uh, if you're listening to the faith one, six, eight podcast right now, sometimes when we hear things about the condition of our nation, and the decline of Christianity in our nation and and things of that nature and, and the, the spiritual devastation of the churches in our nation. It, it can be sometimes hopeless or look hopeless, but it's not. Right. It's not hopeless. It starts with individuals recognizing that Jesus is above all, that we need Jesus to make it through the day, that even when we're comfortable, we need to look at the comfort that we've been given as a gift from God, because that's what it is. And as much as, as fast as it came into our lives, it can be removed from our lives just as fast. So my encouragement to those listening to the Faith 168 podcast is not to lose hope when you see these things, because I remember that there was a time in Israel Mm-hmm. When all of the prophets of the Lord had been killed and were hiding, yep. but there was one prophet that remained, and that was Elijah. 
and mm-hmm. he kept hope. He he was a little hopeless at points, and it was a little right. devastating for him. He he ran from the will of God for a moment, but God got him back on track and reminded him to keep on going, that he okay. had a plan. And because of one man's faithfulness, God used him greatly to bring Israel back. And we see that not just in that that time, but that's happened right. many times through through history. And that can happen right here in our nation if a bunch of individuals would just seek the will of God and continue to stand firm in the word of God and to live the word of God in their lives, that's when we see a change. That's mm-hmm. where we have hope. And so I, I have hope and I see young people, young generations that Absolutely. are thirsty for the truth because they have had lies shoveled down their throats since yeah. the time of their birth. And now mm-hmm. they're getting to a point where they're standing on their own two feet and all they want is the truth. And when they hear the name of Jesus and they hear that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, they realize who they need to follow. And I'm seeing so many young people. start to open up their eyes. So I think those statistics about Islam overtaking Christianity in 2050 and 2060, I think those statistics are going to be thrown out the door because we have some faithful people right here in the United States. And I want to encourage you, our listeners of the Faith 168 podcast, to go out and live faithfully for Christ 168 hours of the week. Brother Rob, do you have anything to say? Yeah, I I would just second that that notion um, I, I've seen, um, and some of them we've seen together, and, and some I've experienced on my own. But there, there's a generation that is is rising that, um, from my experience, they would rather be in worship than at a party. They they would rather yeah. be um, experiencing the presence of God than than anything else. And, and mm-hmm. I think it's going to take a, uh, I think it's going to take a generation that seeks God's face like that um, in order for us to to see the type of revival and and, um, refreshing and and renewal that we want to see in the church. And so I'm encouraged. And and so um, one thing I would say is let's be in prayer that God would be raising up this generation. And then no matter who you are, how old you are, uh, what your abilities are, um, invest in this younger generation, they're mm-hmm. ready and, and willing and, and, and hopeful that, that people would show up, um, that, that love God, that, that walk in his presence daily to, to help lead them and, and guide them along the way. And so I would encourage you, wherever you are, find a place, find a way to invest in, in some young people and, and be encouraged by that. Um, and I think God would, uh, would do some amazing things through that as well. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and have a time of prayer. And if you're driving, don't bow your head and close your eyes. Just, <laughs> just pray as you're driving, but let's pray guys. Father, I thank you for this time that we could come together and read your word. And I thank you for the hope that we have that even though sometimes it looks hopeless in our world, we have a great hope in you and you give us uh, a future and a hope uh, in the plans that you have for us, Father. So help us as we continue forward to just walk and live in your word and in your love. Help us to live faithfully for you for the next 168 hours until we meet again. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.